0: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Warning, this podcast contains adult language and themes throughout.
2: Hello, I'm Candy Warhol. And I'm Crystal Rasmussen. And you're listening to Dragony Ants, the podcast. You lost your
0: way with the Dragony Ants?
2: Oh, welcome to this week's show uh Christelle first before we get on how was your weekend my love
1: you know I'm on a fitness kick candy you know and I have been doing an incredible mix of a this heady workout I've worked out that is a mixture of box arena which is boxing and ballet okay. and laughter yoga with Eliza Dushku
2: oh and how's that going for you How was Eliza elias is okay
1: uh she's hit a rough patch because you know streaming numbers for buffy are up but her agent fucked her over with the contract mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you story know she's not getting lives. the road yes yeah, story of our lives exactly but um you know it's been amazing you know just to laugh and to box and do ballet so it's sort of like plea, ha, ha
2: ha you know yeah. what i mean it's love that for you freeing. what about you um i had a good weekend i did a lot of bearbacking.
0: Oh. um
2: i actually got a shetland pony and we just barebacked across the frozen lake, up the mountains where my chateau is. And then straight onto the high street, um, I just picked up a few bits and next because uh, we had a night out that night. But anyway, um, more on that later. We might have, her on the, um, might have her on the show soon. So on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about fitting in. What does that mean to you, Christelle? Well, to me, that means fitting
1: big objects into small spaces, first of all. Mm. So there's a physical kind of fitting in, like, you know, fitting Jared Leto's dick into my ass Mm. um, Mm. and fitting myself into my 1991 Oscars dress when I picked up best performance in a porn movie, the only year Mm. they did that category. Mm. Um, So that's physical fitting in. And I guess there's emotional fitting in. What do you think emotional fitting in means, Candy?
2: Well I think it's you know relating to other people in certain situations you know if, if everyone's really sad um, it's feeling sad at the same time or at least pretending that you mm. feel sad you know pretending that you have empathy yeah. for others which is what I do a lot Um, yeah. and I think for some people they don't know how to do that so that could be really jarring you know um, if you're at a if you're at a with some friends and they're all finding a joke really funny and you don't get it you know you just don't don't have the brains for it you know which also happens to me quite a lot um Mm. there's that type of fitting in you know
1: Mm. so you mean sort of feeling at home in a group or feeling accepted by a by a group because you know I've never not felt accepted especially as as a as a beautiful drag queen you know the story of our lives is one, frankly, of acceptance by society. So
2: it's going to be a hard week for us, I think, Candy. I think so too, my love. But look, we'll give it a go. We'll help the needy. That's what we're about. When there's a check, we'll help. When there's a check, indeed we will.
1: Listen up, you're about to learn Candy and Crystal's concerns. Candy. Now, usually you're very dry, but you're sweating profusely right now and obviously you're concerned about something. Do you want to share with the group?
2: Yeah, it's I mean, it's something personal, Crystal. As you know, when I was 16, going on 17, I ran away from home and left my family behind. Um, you know, the price to pay for being part of a, a really famous family, the Von Trapps, was way too heavy and I just didn't fit the bill of being another singing, dancing kid that wore her curtains. Um, you know, we had a nanny that just, bossed us around all the time and made us run up all these hills singing and I just wasn't into it so I ran away from home um packed my bags and jumped on a motorbike with Misha Barton and we sold soap across Europe for over a decade um but I've left her I miss my papa I miss my family and I want to go home and I want to win my country back I I just don't know what to do I don't know what to do to be
0: honest
1: well you know the best advice comes from someone who's lived a similar thing. And I have lived a similar thing. When I was shunned from the popular haughty violin group Escala mm. in the mid-90s, I um, I underwent a lot of withdrawal, you know. And um, and it took me a long time to pluck up a courage to ask for my way back in, Candy. And I think really this isn't about you, you wanting to see them. It's about you being scared to ask to be let back in so do you know so I want to role Mm. play that family situation
2: okay okay you run up the
1: hill and you hear the dulcet tones of your stepmother Julie even though she can only sing two notes these days but (laughs) here I am your father Count
2: Von Trapp
1: what do you want to say to me Candy?
2: well Papa it's me I'm back. I'm home. You know, ironically, our our family name is the Von Trapped. I just felt trapped.
1: Candy, wir sind ein Handelsfamily. Sprechen Sie Deutsch
2: bitte. Exactly, Papa. Only you <laughs> could say it like that, you know? Those beautiful, beautiful words. <laughs> the beautiful like accent. I miss that. I miss I miss you singing me to sleep in that. <laughs> Dunning tone that you have, you know, that's what's gotten me through the last decade. You know, every night sleeping in those crackdown motels with Misha selling soap for for dinner, I would think of your beautiful voice singing. Kannst du dich an das lied erinnern? Crystal, thank you so much. You sounded just like my papa, um, and I'm on the next flight to wherever we used to live, and I'm going to let you know how it how it how it went. Thank you. So it is my distinct
1: privilege to welcome on our guest this week, and that is the gorgeous comedian, Candy's local greengrocer and the apple of my eye, Mr. Stephen
2: Bailey. Queen. Ladies,
3: we're back together. I'm so happy.
2: You look absolutely adorable in that gown. Thank you for dressing up for us today. Now, listen, my little cherub, we hear that you have a little bit of a conundrum for us, which relates to our topic of fitting in go for I it. I
3: do. And can I just say, thank you so much as well, because you two are cheaper than therapy. So I really, mm-hmm. really appreciate this. But um, yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of pressure put on us these days that like you've got to be the right everything. And even when you're trying to do the right thing, you're doing it wrong. So it's like in the working class, you know, you're supposed to know your place and I don't know my place. I'm going for the Hillary Duff dream with the gaze. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have a particular kind of body. You've got to be in a particular group, go to a particular bar, I don't do those things. I still go to my local cavalry. And then in comedy, like I say, it's like you've got to be an Edinburgh critic, darling. And I'm not. I tell dick jokes.
1: Mm. Well, I think that's really interesting. First of all, I think, can I ask, you know, two things? One, what is Hull? I've never heard of that. And two, how does it make you feel, Stephen?
3: Um, One, Hull is actually, well, I'm not going to lie. It's a shithole but it was the capital of culture. So it's no longer a shithole. Like, it, mm. and they deserve comedy too. But apparently if you're not doing your comedy in London, then it is not artistic. And Ugh. I don't know, it makes me feel a bit useless. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you're trying to, you're getting all these achievements, but they're never quite right. Like, for example, and I don't know if this is too heavy for your podcast, so stop me if it is, girls. But when I did live at the Apollo for BBC Two, that is like a comedian's wet dream come true. Mm. And I Mm. was in the green room in hair and makeup and a beautiful suit, and another comedian asked me who I was there to watch. It didn't even occur (gasps) to them that I could be on the show.
1: Fucking That's such a shame. Does that not make you feel, you know, when people have said that to me, like when I won Miss Universe, um, you know, a lot of people were like, why are you here? You're too good for this. You know, you're you're too chic, you know, it really, people doubting me and doubting my decisions, they, it really drove me to prove them wrong. Do you have that feeling?
3: Yeah, I have that all the time, but at the same time, it's like, I feel like I've had that feeling my whole life. So I'm a bit exhausted by it now. Like now Mm. I want to get to the bit where it's like, I can enjoy it, but I feel like, you know, Because I present a show on a farm, I could never be a topical comedian on Radio 4. It's all things like that. And I think part of it is in my head, but I also think part of it is true. And so I don't know how to not give a shit.
2: Well, Mm. what I thought was interesting there was you just said you kind of had this your whole life. Can you give me an example of like when this developed? Is this something you already had?
3: i assume it's like from school because obviously Mm. you know i mean i'm 33 and the world has changed for the better but when i was in school it was like boys predominantly hung around with boys and girls Mm -hmm. predominantly hung around with girls and the boys should be fingering the girls and playing football and i was doing neither of those things because i am religious
2: yeah (laughs) yeah I think yes, I think that pious. that's important though. I think people forget that all these experiences that most of us would have had in school as as young gay men, you know, it was a different time. Um those voices stick with you, you know, and that becomes like an inner dialogue sometimes, you know. You know, those kids have fucked off, you know, they're probably like either dead or you know, have 20 kids each. But, you know, even though we all have this like A-list careers. You know, their voices still sometimes pop up at the worst of times. And those times are when you're doubting yourself or feeling insecure or second guessing yourself. You know, um, John from middle school, you know, his voice pops up saying, you know, you're too pretty, you know, the yeah, gay boy. I you I
3: think it's a sign of like we've not actually as far with thinking as we think we are yet. Do you know what I mean? And what's really bizarre is the three things that make me feel bad are the three things that I bring together that really make me laugh and make my audiences laugh, which is comedy, which I love. And then it's like, I base my comedy on the gossips, like my gran and her friends used to have at bingo. And then obviously love. I've got a little bit of sass, which we learn from our community. So I bring the all three together, but individually they're trying to break me. <laughs>
0: Flushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: I wonder sometimes it's like, you know, we tell everyone to be exactly who you are. You're born mm-hmm. this way, be the real you. But really, we are also saying it with an undertone of going, but do it the way the rest of us like it and that is palatable yeah. to everyone else. Yeah.
2: Yeah, let's look at that. Do you like, so you're, you know, a queer comedian working, you have this platform. Do you feel like like as a gay comedian that you have to say and do the right thing because you have a platform? Is that a worry of yours?
3: No, I, d- I never really worry about that because my first thing is I wanna be funny and normally that's by saying the naughty thing. But I do worry about like, do I risk, have I risked jobs because of the kind of comedy I do and the content I do? Like for example, because I am a gay man that talks about sex, obviously I'm talking about gay sex. And it feels like sometimes the world is still not ready for that, or it needs to be a late night, I don't know, four documentary. So therefore I could never go on QI and talk about the news. All I understand is teabagging, you know, sometimes I think like that.
1: Yeah. As in you're reduced into this tiny little box.
3: Yeah. And also it's like, you know, the reason I talk about relationships is because, well, I'm in one and, it shows that they're all the same but the minute you do it it's like well he talks and actually most of the time I talk about not liking sex if you remember from our last visit to each other yes and it's like hold on if you switch on loose women, that's what they're talking about <laughs> uh-huh yeah
2: mm.
3: but for me it sometimes feels like oh it's still like dead late night and dead risque but we're supposed to feel in a place that you know gays accepted now but i don't think gay is accepted i think camps accepted Mm -hmm. i think as long as you if as long as you've got this feminine man and you don't imagine them having sex i think that is totally accepted but i think the minute i talk about sex like you know i've got female friends that can talk about finger blasting i've got male straight friends that can talk about finger blasting if i say finger blasting it's not palatable because it's up an asshole
2: oh well I've never even heard that term before but um and I've never heard of an arsehole so it's
1: interesting (laughs) but I do Um, you know I
2: think one of the the one of the
1: key things actually is I guess there's two conundrums here we're talking about people from where you're from understanding your life and understanding your choices when it comes to work and that's kind of a class thing and I know they're linked and then we're talking about people in the comedy scene who don't think that you're palatable enough to do like the big shows, like the QIs and the 7pm, you know, live at, you know, the Crystal Review, it's a huge show, everyone come down. <laughs> it's on every Thursday night at the Alexandra Palace. Anyway, um, one of the things that I had to do, and I think it is genuinely a hard thing to do, but it's to have an honest conversation about the difference. So, you know, when I go home to my friends, and my home is is Lancaster, when I go home, you know, they don't under, They literally do not know what I do for a job because everyone from mm-hmm. home is in a nine-to-five job. And they, if I'm like, what do I do? I could tell you what every single 10 of them do. They could not tell you what I do. They'd be like, um, drag stuff? And like, yeah. <laughs> but I think having the conversation about like, look, I don't judge your choice, but you can't mm-hmm. judge mine either. We're just trying to do it. In, you know, so I think first of all, with the family stuff, the people who matter to you, I think it's about having a yeah. conversation, right? So they understand it
2: but you know what's crazy though like listening to everything that you're saying like all these incredible achievements that you have you know like performing at the apollo being on the bbc you know featuring on heidi montag's debut album they're all things to be so proud of and when people (laughs) come for you and go why are you on heidi's album you don't you don't have the range that she does you know keep just know like they're just jealous bitches you know
1: Okay, I guess another thought, which is interesting and something I think a lot about when it comes to sort of this community and whether you're an entertainer, an author, a porn star, a director, a minor, you know, do you think because there aren't that many, you know, very famous, very gay comedians in the past? I mean, I know you have your super big ones, you know, you have like your Lily Savage and you have your, um, uh, what is the guy called? The really famous, really camp comedian from like the 50s. Oh, Larry Grayson, <clears throat> Larry Grayson, you know you have all these you know Danny LaRue, you have these famous figures throughout mm. you know history, but there's like one, you know, and like Larry Grayson was innuendo, and then you have like you know you and you're part of part of a new generation, you know where being gay and being queer is exposed in the media m- medium much more, et cetera, et cetera, in a different world. Do you think that's part of the problem?
3: Mm, i don't know there's so many of us doing it and there's so many like more recent ones like tom allen Alan Carr that are kind of around but i don't know what it is i don't know if it's because you know i've had it before as well when it's like you can't have two gay guys on one bill mm. because it's mm. not representative and it's like well you know but why is it representative to have six check shirt wearing white middle class men so i don't know i think there's enough of us around Doing it, I just wonder why only one of us is allowed a job at this at one time. Or I right. wonder, like, it's
2: very Naomi Campbell and Tyra Banks when they were like, <laughs> oh, in the 90s, you know, only one black skin model was allowed, you know, walk for Victoria's Secret, you know. Yeah, that's that's actually,
3: it does, it does set up like a feud against you or a little competitiveness Mm -hmm. because you're like, oh, well, if they've got it, I'm definitely not going to get it. I don't know what it is. Because I was thinking. It's because,
1: it's because everyone genuinely, the reason is, and I know it's bleak, but it's because like industries and societies are homophobic. I hate to, like, I hate to, you know, and it's like, it's hard to be coming up against that constantly. But like the truth is whether outwardly or inwardly, people are fucking homophobic, you know?
3: I agree with that as well. I actually talk about that quite a lot because it's like every time someone says to you, will you be my gay best friend? That's yeah. homophobic. Ugh. Yeah.
2: No. Like what if you wouldn't replace the word
3: gay with black, you shouldn't be saying it.
2: Mm. Yeah. Very true.
1: And I also think one one final thing to add on that, I think that's when they're, the moment's right and the situation's right, speak on it you know maybe don't go to instagram and say i'm furious about this thing but maybe when the time is right you can speak to your agent or you can speak to your family or you can speak to your you know the person who asks you the question only if it's right but there are moments when the moment appears and you can be like that's not cool this is the reason and hopefully the person will be like yeah sorry you know yeah
2: yeah and also being yourself Stephen. being Stephen. Stephen Bailey, that's you, that's your brand. That's what's working for you. That's what's after getting you a fucking apartment and you know, that gig at the Apollo and you know, the highlight of your life being on this podcast. So it's obviously working, you know?
3: Exactly. My dream has literally come true today. I've done your TV show. Now I've done your podcast. I'm having Christmas. Maybe we could do the movie
2: I have nothing
3: else I need. Thank you, ladies. Oh, we love you, Stephen. Keep
1: being you. You know, you were born this way, darling. Thanks for having us, girl. It's the
0: Listener Dilemma of the Day.
2: Okay, now it's time for our Listener Dilemma of the Day, where we answer your needy, needy questions. First, dear Candy and Cristal, I'm starting a new job next week and I'm worried that my new team will find out that I used to be a semi-professional porn star. How do I keep my sordid past hidden says Toby Morning Glory from Bath.
1: I think I know that name, Candy, Toby Morning Glory. Mm, Definitely seen it on Pornhub, I think. But listen, if I've learned anything at work, it is to tell lies. The first way is to throw some other colleagues under the bus, so Photoshop some faces onto some pornography imagery. That could work. Get ahead.
2: Um, I'm going to do my usual and disagree with you on that, Crystal. I just think, look, it's 2020. Sex positivity is very on trend. You know, having a side hustle of being a porn star is very on trend. I say the question isn't how do I hide it from them? The question should be, how do I tell them? Mm. And I think you want to start off this job with a bang. I say show them you getting banged, you know, lash out on a spread, you know, Uh, Maybe a porn star theme. So, like Mm. a porn star martini. You know, like a pinata, a pinata filled with cum.
1: You know, with sperm. Filled with cum. Or used condoms from your porn days. Love that. Used
2: condoms. Um or like get like, you know, the way you can get like pictures printed on cupcakes? Love it. You could get like picture stills from all your scenes. And that that's a great way to meet people. That's a great conversation starter, you know, like walking around and be like, ooh, you're eating that scene, you know, where I was eating out. Mm. You know, or ooh, you're eating that scene, you know, where like um I was I'm being fingered, you know?
1: Yeah, like you know, you could have finger food, you know, and every time someone's eating the finger food, you could talk about all the scenes in which you were fingered. I love that, Candy, you know what? I take it back. I think that's some pretty inspired advice. I think honesty is the second best policy when it comes to a marriage, but when it comes to work, it's the first. So fantastic.
2: Okay. So we're almost done. What are you... Any plans for tonight? Any plans for the weekend, my love?
1: Well, I'm having I'm having an easy one tonight, actually, because this weekend, um, mm. it's a big weekend for me and my toddler, actually, because I finally got her accepted into the the toddler ultimate fighting championship underground cage fighting uh, heat here in uh, Skegness. And so it's going to be right. a bit of a bloody weekend, but I've been training her and um, she's thrown some good punches. She's six. Um, I'm so right. proud of her and... You know, it's a big weekend for us.
2: Yeah, great. Like, it's important as a child to learn to earn your keep. Mm. You know, they cost a lot of money. They need to start paying that back mm. as early as possible. And also, the idea of her being battered around um, a cage—that's going to make her tougher. So, I'd say get her in early.
1: You know, I. You know, it's just—it's the way I like to raise my children, and 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 they end up okay. Um, Candy, what are you doing this weekend?
2: Um, well, I, I'm, I'm jetting off, actually, um, on my little, my little plane after this. I'm laying down some backing vocals for, um, well, I call her Stephanie. You might know her as um, Gaga. I'm mm. um, laying down some backing vocals for the new album. Mm. And then after that, again, just taking it easy, just doing a little sail, maybe around um, Europe home. So that should take about three or four days. So I should be back just in time for the next, the next episode. Yeah.
1: Mm, that's so nice. That's so nice. Who are you sailing with?
2: Greta Gerwig. Mm. Yeah, Gre- Greta just knows to take the reins and mm. um, frankly, I just don't want to do any work. You know, I've been doing the work you know, on this podcast uh, for an hour now and I'm absolutely exhausted. That is my quota and I need to rest my voice mm. for, um, for Gaga, for Chromatica, get, for that, chromatica, get that done. Yeah. I want to thank our listener for listening to this thank you to Bobby
1: yeah thank you to Bobby um, who's always been a supporter of
2: ours who's in lockdown in Minnesota right now on death row
1: and we said we'd send you a lock of Candy's hair so I will uh, she hasn't got any full. she's fully lasered her whole body she's literally like a slippery alien but I will I the moment she grows the first lock I'll chop it off and we'll send it to you Bobby this is for you Bobby we love you so much